I think in the past, CFOs have been seen just as the numbers guy. But going forward, it's like CFOs are really running the company aligned with the CEO. I mean, with sort of finance as the lens that they're looking through to run the business. I think key focuses of CFO going forwards are really just to keep up to date with the trends, with market trends, market moves, and most importantly, investing in a great team. A great team can make all the difference for a CFO because if you're stuck in the day-to-day things, which a lot of CFOs do, you know, they're still micromanaging, they're still in the day-to-day because it's hard to let that stuff go. It just makes it tough for them to take a step back and see the bigger picture. Hey, this is Danny, and welcome to the Spend Culture Stories podcast. You know, we're not just another boring finance or procurement podcast. We explore the sometimes challenging stories and learnings when people, spend, and organizations meet, and how to drive sustainable growth while still balancing control and agility. We have vulnerable, honest, and raw conversations with only the most forward-thinking CFOs, finance executives, and procurement leaders who are challenging the status quo, that the way we've done it is just not enough. This is Spend Culture Stories. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Spend Culture Stories. This is Danny once again, and today I am joined with Kingsley Chan, and he's the Director of Finance at Fin.ai. I'm super excited to welcome Kingsley just because, you know, he's no stranger to us and ProcureFi. He's um, seen us at a few events, and, you know, we've chatted with him for many times. You know, he has a lot of experience within a variety of company sizes and sectors. So Kingsley, do you want to tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? Sure thing. Thank you, Danny, for the introduction. I've actually used Procurify's platform before um, back in my old job. So great piece of software. And I know a few guys, the x suite guys that are actually at Procurify now. So great company, cool people. A bit about myself, Danny kind of gave a good introduction, but Kingsley Chan, CA, Director of Finance at FinAI. I've kind of been kicking around in the Vancouver tech scene for about, oh gosh, about 10 years now with Hootsuite as kind of my tech baby, I guess you can say. But um, yeah, things are going good. Just trying to survive this COVID business from uh, health and from, um, I guess, finance perspective. What does FinAI do just for the audience who doesn't really know? Definitely. In a nutshell, we're conversational banking powered by AI. So in short, we're kind of like a Google Home, but Siri for banking usage. Nice. The short answer is, if you think about like using your mobile app to do banking, our kind of thought process is the next iteration of bank is going to be part of conversational banking, where you as a user or the Gen Zs um, can talk to the app itself and tell it to do its banking. So transfer 10 bucks to Danny after we went out for a meal, and then it can do that automatically via voice or via texting it. I love that. I think that's really the future for all of the devices that we're using. And even in marketing, you know, there's this new term called conversational marketing. I don't know if you're familiar with the company Drift. They're also along the lines of nowadays, the future is all about being conversational. So that's a really cool concept. Yeah. So let's jump right into things. As this is the Spend Culture Stories podcast, I would love to understand how you would personally describe the spend culture of Fin.ai. You know, what are the attitudes, beliefs, and policies that you've built for your team around spending? Certainly, good question. I've kind of worked in, I guess, different companies where we've had policies where if you need it, buy it. And I've been in companies where there's no spending, smart spending, smart, um, don't buy it. We don't have money for it. I guess FinAI is kind of a hybrid of the both. And like, aside from the boring stuff, like departmental budgets and uh, department heads, 
in a nutshell, I guess I always, my mantra is if it was your own money, would you spend it? Do you think this is going to create value for you in your workplace or the business as a whole? So, and it's been working pretty well. I mean, we're a pretty tight-knit group and uh, I've never had issues where saying no to someone for something that they spend and giving them that spiel of like, hey, you know, if this was your money, would you buy it? They're like, hmm, <laughs> probably not. So I'm like, great, then let's let's pass on this and we'll revisit at a different moment, maybe when we have a bit more extra spending cash. I love that because it kind of gives the employees, you know, responsibility over the company's resources and they really have to think right. twice. Totally. <laughs> so that's really awesome. So how do they normally send out a request through? Is it normally through like an email or do they walk over to your desk? I guess there's not a whole lot of desk walking nowadays, but... Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in a perfect world, we would leverage like a great piece of software like Procurify to do that. I know you guys do a good job of sort of initiations and then instead of just spending and then asking for forgiveness like what Expensify does you guys have the pre-approval process unfortunately we haven't really gone to that level of sophistication and we're kind of running it kicking it old school it's either mm-hmm. email slack run it through your department head and then they kind of come through me for the ultimate pay or the decision making I guess so not the best answer I guess but I mean it seems to work and possibly down the road we'll explore like integrating a a good piece of software to sort of manage that process. Totally. And I think this is always something that's pretty interesting to hear from, you know, leaders in finance, where it's like, when is the right time to actually implement something? When is it too early? So Mm. what do you think are the signs around this? Size and to the point that when it's such a headache that you find yourself running (laughs) through emails all the time saying yes, no, yes, no, comparing against your budget. uh, You know, when you start to have all these meaningless conversations, I think that's when it's a good time. At a different place, when we implemented Procurify, that's kind of like the thought process behind that. It was like the amount of time spent answering questions, yes or no. It just got to the point where it's like, you know, we want to push the autonomy onto the department head. We we hire people, good people, and we want to trust them. Here's your spend allotment. Do as you please with your team. Don't come back to me for every small yes or no. We set mm-hmm. thresholds, of course, but that's kind of like the good sense. Um, Headcount and sort of when the department, like finance department, has had it up to here with like approving those. I think that's a great time to look into a different um, tool to like help manage this spend process. Definitely. I think that makes a lot of sense just seeing, you know, how much wasted time your team has to deal with. (laughs) In the world of automation, you know, that's the last thing we want to be doing. So it's kind of a taking a step backwards. Totally. And, you know, I think we're obviously living a crazy time right now this year. A lot of our clients, they've gone through a lot of changes, organizational restructuring. It's been hard. So how would you say or what is the biggest challenge for you and the FinAI team during, you know, this whole coronavirus situation this year? Organizationally, you mean what has been tough to communicate to the team? Is that your question? Yeah. What changes have you made throughout your processes? Um, Was there any shifts of priorities? Mm, definitely. I mean, um, I think it's no, it's no secret that everyone's kind of hurting right now. And mm-hmm. when you see like something like this, like COVID happening, everyone's kind of holding their breath and holding their dollars a bit tighter. So we cut a few things, mostly about education budget and the extra spend and delaying some headcounts. So, I mean, definitely wasn't easy because every department head wants to look out for their team. You know, they want to maximize the amount of productivity um, and not kill their own team doing it. And a lot of that comes down to headcount or tool software. And a lot of those had to be delayed. From an organizational whole, we had to cut um, spend for education budget, which sucks, but 
a lot of times, like my CEO, he would apologize to the team saying like, hey, sorry, we're going through a tough time. We don't know yet the uncertainty. And then I'd chime in and say like, hey, guys, at the end of the day, let's keep in mind that we've had zero layoffs. Um, we're in a pretty good financial position. And um, that's our number one priority. We want to keep people employed. We're happy with people here. And we want to keep paying you guys full top dollar. I know some companies went to a four-day work week. Some um, uh, companies had people who had took pay cuts from the upper management, but we've been 100% status quo. So I remind people, like, I get it. You know, it's not fun, but let's let's take a look at the bigger picture. We're not in line service Canada. So I think that's a win in my books. Definitely. I think that's actually quite impressive, too, because um, I believe you guys are post-series A, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. So I think a lot of companies that size that I've talked to, they've had to cut the team size. But the fact that you were able to still keep the salaries and keep everybody happy, that's already a big accomplishment in itself. Yeah. Yeah, I know we're happy. So um, can't complain too, too much, even from my end. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So with like, you know, remote work and everything, how has um, the team responded to that? Were there any challenges to actually working around the whole remote processes? I think like in the tech sector, we're pretty lucky. Part of this, a lot of our work was to work from home already. The developers love it. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. just looking at, yeah, just looking at like ticketing, like you see so much activity in like the 3 to 4 a.m. timeframes. And like you kind of wonder like, why did devs always start at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m.? It's because, you know, they're up late <laughs> at night. A lot of people have families, like, you know, they got to go go home, they got to attend to their family, their kids. Most of us are pretty young. So some of us have young, they're young parents. And like when you find time to do the work, so they do a lot of the coding at night. So this has been amazing, like in terms of like work flexibility, we're not super impacted at all. We do lose some of like the touch points. For example, like in the office, if I go you know, get a coffee or get some water, I'll bump into someone, like just have some casual chat. So, so I, I miss some of that. And I think everyone misses a little bit of the team cohesiveness. And to get around that, we just have to make more Zoom calls. And that's why Zoom's uh, stock is rising so high. But <laughs> honestly, it hasn't impacted us. And I do think this is going to be the new norm going forward. It's, a lot of people have been asking for it. I know Google has postponed this till something like June 2021 until they're going back to the offices. So we're kind of on board yeah. uh, with um, having a hybrid work from home policy going forward. Yeah. Tell me about it. We're the same here at Procurify. Yeah. Same thing. We see our devs. Um, late up night at 2, 3 a.m. So yeah. I guess that's a that's a dev thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's when their their creativity and thinking is the best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is pretty refreshing, I think, just to give people that, you know, flexibility and that freedom to work the way they want. Totally. And um, making sure you're, you know, checking in on them, making sure the goals are still met. Yes. So how have you guys been working within that situation? You know, if there's any like change initiatives that you had to implement to make sure that goals are still being met, um, that budgets are still being cleared, and that, um, you know, the team kind of knows where they're going in the next few years. We've always done this, but I think, if anything, we have to do an even better job now, and we kind of have. So part of now, we would have meetings every week. Just We call it mm -hmm. all-hands meeting, where we all come. Each department goes through their spiel. And we used to keep it pretty short, just because it takes time. And it's, it's an expensive meeting, because everyone attends. The price has gone up because we have now more time spent on this to get everyone caught to speed. So we use that as a good communication tool. It happens every other week. We might consider moving that to weekly. And it just like, it gives people like any updates that we have coming, um, any changes, departures, additions, or any cuts that we're having. Recently, we just kind of put back that education budget that I was talking about earlier. So that was a great surprise and it was caught in their hands. 
But yeah, open communication and more transparency and more communication. We always find with now the teleconferencing and telemeetings, we have to do like 120% of communication, whereas before, you know, you kind of get away with, get away with like 90 or 80% communication. So yeah. Yeah, I think over-communicate, that's basically what we've been uh, utilizing. Definitely. I feel like nowadays also, um, especially when Corona started, there's been more meetings because, you know, people are uncertain, right? They want to know what's right. going on. They want to collaborate. Yeah. A lot of the back-to-back. So in, some, <laughs> in some sense, we got a lot less work done now because we're tied up in these meetings. But on the flip side, you know, like it, there's no right answer. It all has got to work. Yeah. And it seems that we're working so far. So let's just keep at it. <laughs> Fair enough. So you mentioned a little bit about, you know, the things that you had to cut back on in terms of spending. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? And also on the flip side, what are some of the things that you've doubled down on in terms of spending for fin.ai? So we're actually fin.ai now. Uh, fin.ai was a while ago. And just heads up. Oh, we, sorry. We, 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 no, that's okay. We, <laughs> no one knows that. And and I think even in our CRE records, it's still fin.ai. But anyways, we're branding officially as fin.ai. Um Anyways, Danny, coming back to your question, specific things we've cut, I've kind of mentioned that earlier, we have $1,000 of education spend per head. And when COVID first broke out, we cut that. It was an easy stop. And then we re-implemented it back. So it was more or less just a deferral. I mean, within the same calendar year, there's actually no impact. So that was not a big thing. We slowed down a few hires. And like, you know, even from my team, like I wanted to make an hire, but Kind of leading by example, like I said, you know what, I get it. Let's all run a bit leaner. Let's hold our breath and let's see what happens because the mm-hmm. uncertainty, we don't know. So we've definitely cut a few headcounts here and there that we um, wanted to hire. Where we have increased on spend is uh, security for sure. Our business is pretty sensitive. Um, we don't necessarily have like PPI, like private information, but because we work with banks, um, you can understand the severity of security leaks and sort of privacy in that manner. So with individuals kind of not being physically in the office, everyone needs to VPN now. So we've increased sort of um, some of those, I guess, services, you can say, to increase monitoring, bandwidth, and just like overall general security DevOps practices in our business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense with the industry that you guys are in. That's never even something that I would think about. Totally. It's a pretty specific thing. I think a more broad thing that a lot of other people are doing that I've known from my peers is we also have increased on our marketing spend. And mm-hmm. in some sense, it's not a specific like huge dump of money in marketing for X, whatever, but it's more of a shift because historically we go to events or we do like booths. Now it's like all of those mm-hmm. are cut. So now we have to pivot into like we're doing a lot more webinars and we're investing money into like other channels of marketing spend. And because we're not super good at it yet, we haven't tweaked and fine dialed things. We're spending a bit more money. I guess a bit of a learning curve is what I'm trying to say. So we have increased mm-hmm. a little bit of spending on that front too. And ultimately that is to patch in a little bit of lost um, top level pipeline because banks mm-hmm. are, you know, they're trying to get their ducks in a row, trying to get their uh, call centers back here. And we'll benefit on the tailwinds of this, but in the time being, they're kind of on hold right now as well. So we're trying to overshoot a bit of the marketing to get more leads and rebuild that top pipeline for our sales cycle. That makes a lot of sense. And I think even from the marketing perspective, it's an interesting time because there's a lot of innovation happening because you know people can't just 
keep on using the same channels oh, over and yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like a forcing function. For sure. We've got to adapt. And I think COVID has been great because it's kind of forced a lot of industries into adapting like electronic tooling, like CRA, for example, now can let you digitally sign stuff for returns. Finally. <laughs> Finally, totally. IRS is still behind, but it's great. It's forcing change. And I think we're all trending towards the right direction that this is going to be the future anyways. So Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of helped in some sense. The silver lining, I guess, to all the crappiness in 2020. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. What do you think are some of the text changes that you would want to make for your team in the next few years? Like any new software or tools you want to implement or anything that you think would support your growth as you move past this whole uncertainty? Definitely. From my side, I have been exploring like just because our business in, is in the machine learning AI perspective. And I've, I've heard great things about some tools of cash flow forecasting AI tools. And um, I don't know, maybe the industry is a little bit still too infant for that, but I have heard some great things with some applications and I'm looking to try some of them because, hey, if you can take time out of um, my time to sort of look six months, 12 months down the road and the computer can do it for me, why not? That's, that's time saved that I can allocate my time to do something else more important. From the sales side, honestly, nothing new in terms of like tools and software. Uh, we're pretty dialed in Salesforce, and I think those things are working pretty well. Marketing, we've spent a lot more in LinkedIn, which is pretty good already. And whatever they're doing, I'll leave the up to the Microsoft experts to figure that out. But we've we've definitely given them more money. I can say that much. <laughs> Same with us. Yeah. You know, finance is like, yeah, you know, we get it. Yeah. You guys need to have more budget. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I really like speaking to you because I can tell like you're a finance business partner. You're making sure that you're working with the specific department heads and making sure you're also understanding their goals. Because I think like, you know, today's CFO and finance leaders fundamentally different from the CFO of, let's say, yesterday, right? The old type of CFO. So what role of um, do you think the finance leader of the future should be focused on? And what should be the key focuses for CFOs in the next few years? Yeah, I totally agree with you, Danny. I mean, I think in the past, CFOs have been seen just as the numbers guy. But going forwards, like CFOs are really running the company aligned with the CEO. I mean, with sort of finance as the lens that they're looking through to run the business. I think key focuses of CFO going forwards are really just to keep up to date with the trends, with market trends, market moves. And most importantly, investing in a great team. A great team can make all the difference for a CFO because if you're stuck in the day-to-day things, which a lot of CFOs do, you know, they're still micromanaging, they're still in the day-to-day because it's hard to let that stuff go. It just makes it tough for them to take a step back and see the bigger picture. We only have like realistically like maybe 12 to 14 hours of work day in a day, productive work hours. So if you're spending allocating this time on the day-to-days, you have no time to like sit back and think about sort of the bigger picture. Yeah, definitely. I think that's such a good point because I feel like you're sometimes in the trenches, right? And that's a good attitude to have to work with your team. But if you're not able to get out of that trench and you know work on the business as well, that's where things start falling apart. <laughs> that's where your value is as a CFO, not not in yeah. running the finance. And I think the trend really is to like push more of that down. Yeah, definitely. So what do you think are the biggest challenges that, you know, CFOs and finance leaders need to prepare for in the next few years as we kind of transition out of this recession? You know, what are you preparing for right now? Awesome question. Tons of things, actually. Preparing for the new normal. We've talked about when is this thing going to get back to the normal, but we need to sort of think about what's the new normal going to be. Like a few hot topics, we've kind of touched on this, Danny, like uh, like a hybrid work from home situation. 
it was a big shift. How is that going to work? The ins and outs, the um, small things, like even getting hardware, laptops to people. These are small mm, things that true. need to be considered. Other things, I guess, biggest challenges, um, the U.S. economy is going to be a big thing. I mean, I guess business specific, but a lot of us Canadian companies sell to the U.S., so mm-hmm. depending on what happens down there has a huge impact for us just from a foreign exchange perspective alone. In the recent like two months, you've seen like a dip from like 1.4 to like 1.3. That's a 10% off your margin. Yeah. So definitely going forward is we need to start forecasting with gross margin par or like revenue par, assuming taking FX out of it or engaging in FX hedges to sort of like mitigate that risk of foreign exchange. A lot of people don't think about this, but it's like, hey, 10% off your business, that's like, it could make or break. And if this will never happen, I don't think, if FX goes back to par, we're talking about a 30% cut in your revenues. So yeah, yeah. that's crazy. So some things, and then also just consolidations. There's tons of consolidations happening. Like statistically, I think two quarters after any recession, there's tons of consolidation, tons of M&As, big corps like Canaxis bought um, RubaCloud recently, 80 million deal. Ang House buys stuff all the time. So there's these are just Canadian companies too. There's tons of like M&As happening right now because companies are shopping. Things mm-hmm. are cheap and they're looking for good deals right now and how to like patch parts of their business that they don't have before. So look out for consolidations. I think that's going to be a huge topic in the next year. Uh, the next year is going to be filled with tons of M&As. So. And lastly, just capitalizing on like tailwinds, tailwinds of this COVID business. I mean, We're going to be one of the winners because our value prop to banks, direct value prop, is we can alleviate call center volume for you. We can use Mm -hmm. leverage AI and machine learning to reduce that bottleneck of call center. You've got a lower supply of workers, a higher demand of callers. What do you do? Use a computer. So CFOs and businesses need to start thinking about how to capitalize on tailwinds of COVID because it's truth. You know, we can't avoid it. It's going to set a new norm for us. Yeah, definitely. I think you got so many good points there where you're starting to realize what are some of the market trends and even psychology behind, you know, when something like a recession is over, what will people start thinking about? How would they behave? Yeah. So I guess the next question is more on fundraising. Sure. With fundraising right now, I feel like there's two perspectives going on. There's some people that are like, well, investors are going to be more wary about where they invest in companies. And then there's the other perspective where they're like, well, investors actually are even more excited now because there's a lot of companies that are risen from the ashes, you know, from from recessions. So what do you think about this? Do you think this will change the finance and operational strategy or your organization if you think you're going to raise again in the next few years? Honestly, Danny, this, uh, I wish I had the magic eight ball to see this too. Nobody knows for <laughs> sure. You know, as like Warren Buffett always says, you got to be greedy when people are fearful. And maybe no one cares about what Buffett says anymore because he's old. But, um, <laughs> you know, quoting like, um, like Catherine Wood, she's a superstar of 2020. She's talking about inverted yield curve. It doesn't matter. Like technology is growing so fast that it doesn't matter about the inverted yield curve anymore. That's heavily based on oil, whereas we're gearing for solar, for EVs. Um, that's kind of the future. So does the inverted yield curve even matter anymore? No. In my personal opinion, kind of alluding to what we talked about before, I think there's going to be tons of M&A consolidations in the next mm-hmm. year and two. So one, there's going to be these funds that have made a sale. So now they've got extra capital to invest elsewhere. Idle money is worth nothing now. Interest rates are at a record low. So they're going to look to spend to invest. And also, there's just so much dry powder out there right now. Back in the days, everyone was like, even when I was at Hootsuite, it was like, go IPO, go IPO. Now there's so much dry powder out there that people don't really care about IPOing anymore. 
there's nothing to do with this cash we have on hand. Interest rates are minimal to none. The fear of missing out, let's start buying. And I don't think there's going to be any slowdown in terms of equity raises. Um, it'll be different. But in the tech sector, we're lucky. I don't think there's going to be a substantial impact on the downside of uh, equity fundraising. Feeling bullish, I guess. I think you got a good point there because um, even right now, the stock market, right, it's going up and down, up and down. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot of people are like, ooh, okay, even today, there was like a you know discount going on. So today, today yeah, today was a big one because all the unemployment numbers were announced. And also it's long yeah. weekend on a Friday and nobody wants to hold over the weekend and pay. A lot of people turn a margin, right? So today was a shopping day, you can say. But if you, <laughs> if you believe in the market, like honestly, the morning was down and near afternoon closed. Everything recovered. Like it's not all that bad. Yeah. yeah the presidential election might create some economic uncertainties, but I think everyone's pretty bullish on the market right now. So we also have to think of like, NASDAQ is tech companies. It's got FANG in there, like Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Alphabet. So like FANG are like immune to this. They've gained from COVID. So NASDAQ is circled around these four top dogs. So like, it doesn't matter. The market's going to be hot for a while. But anyway, this is my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you're very passionate about this topic and you know a lot about it. <laughs> well, I, I think any finance person should be in the loop with market trends. That's kind of our business in the know. So, yeah. Definitely. So what kind of advice do you have for um, aspiring finance leaders or budding accountants who want to get into the, you know, this tech SaaS software space? Totally. I think it's a great space to be in. Good pay, a lot of flexibility. So I guess the three main things that I always tell my mentees, I'm also a CPA mentor. I mentor a lot of CPAs. Nice. Stay informed, stay connected, and stay humble. And mm-hmm. by informed, just the fact if, if you're informed, you know, you're on top of the news, on top of trends, they always say mature, intelligent people talk about events and topics. Immature people talk about gossip about people. And you don't want to be caught on the, the latter side. You don't want to be those immature people. You want to talk about like um, current events. So stay informed. And if you can illustrate that you're willing to invest the time to know what's going on uh, that speaks a lot because it shows like your ability to want and your curiosity to learn and that speaks a lot to how you will work in a job environment that's my opinion mm-hmm. staying connected like uh, vancouver canada is such a small community like you said we've chatted a few times and i know a few people are quick procurify someone will know someone that will know someone and my opinion is people in this community just want to help people so for the aspiring people that want to get into this field, like just, just keep chatting with people and don't be afraid to ask. I love that. Stay humble. I don't think tech has any space for snobs or uh, and we don't like internal politics. I think you and I both can agree with this. We, we want to channel energy to disrupt technology, create a better tomorrow for everyone. It sounds very cliche, but a lot of what we're doing is really creating technology to create a better future for the next gen and I guess for our own convenience too. So. Stay humble. Like, uh, I think you guys preach this too. Like, titles don't matter. So, who cares? Just do your work, do good work, and stay humble. Don't be so cocky about it. Yeah, I love that third one. That's such a good philosophy to have in life. It's almost like a forever learner's mentality. You know, there's always something to learn from people that you meet, and there's things that you don't know where you think you might know, but maybe totally. (laughs) The honest truth is the more you know, the less you know. Yeah. The only person that thinks they know more than someone else is because they actually don't know a whole lot. Once you learn a little bit, it opens a whole avenue and someone will always know more than you. So yeah, definitely stay like my, my personal email signature is uh, at the end of the day, the king and pawn go back to the same box as in like, 
at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You're no better than me. We just have had different experiences. So I do believe that. I am 100% with you on that. Sorry, my phone just rang, by the way. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> the work from home, the it's been pretty good. I've had I've been in meetings where dog barks, kids. Yeah. One of the partners I work with at one of the big four, every time I'm on the phone with her, her kids come in and ask her to authorize the iPad because they want to make an in-app purchase. And they know, they're smart kids, they know she's going to just say, yes, yes, go away because she's on the phone. She's on a work call. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so sneaky. <laughs> so smart. So smart. Kid. Our kids, yeah. Yeah. Attack them while they're weak, right? Exactly, yeah. Kids yeah. are smart nowadays. <laughs> totally. I personally learned a lot about both you and also Finn AI. There, there we go. We got it right AI, this time. That, you're a learner. Smart. <laughs> yeah, and I love the tips you have also for upcoming you know, finance leaders. I feel like that's applicable to anybody. So yeah, yeah I had a, really enjoyed our conversation. Super. Thank you for having me. I think this is a great thing that you guys are doing. Uh, uh, don't stop. Content is king nowadays, so keep at it, Jenny. You guys are doing an awesome job. Thanks, Kingsley. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of today. If you like this podcast, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss another great guest. We'd also appreciate it if you give us a five-star review on iTunes for the Apple listeners out there. This podcast is sponsored by Procurify, a spend management solution that is making managing business spend simple. I know there's still a lot of you that are using spreadsheets, credit cards, and expense forms, or a mix of the above. Perhaps you're still using a procurement module in your ERP that is clunky and outdated. Procurify helps you implement proactive controls so that purchases are tracked and approved by the right person before it hits accounts payable. Never have to worry about a surprise invoice ever again. There's a reason why over 400 customers around the world love us. Our award-winning, easy-to-use system is loved by people everywhere. It's actually a purchasing system that your employees will actually want to use, believe it or not. Check us out at Procurify.com. So that's www.procurify.com and mention the podcast for a sweet listener special on our packages. <laughs>